This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower here with my co-host, sister and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. This is our first episode of the week. Yay! Yes. Nice. Yeah, very nice. So, quick check in. How are you? Off the week. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> now that didn't sound very fine. I know. You know what? I'm just worn out this week. The collective energy of this week has been really harsh, and yeah, I've kind of had a hard time. Uh, you know, rising up out of it today. Yeah. So, well, and I'm going to blame my husband. This is all his fault, to be honest, because (laughs) he's remodeling our bedroom, which really needed done, but he's doing, he did a corner of accent wall that is, uh, it's oak uh, slats. It's really pretty at some point when it's completely done, I'll share a picture, but, um, Last night, he well, he was working on it, but uh, anyhow, he got to what I was hoping was a stopping point at about 1030, and I thought he would probably stop then. Well, he didn't, and part of it was tearing out a wall between our garage and our bedroom, so it was, like, open, you know, and it's nine degrees outside, so we're just... Oh, good heavens. You know, you can't just go to bed like that, you know? No, you anyway, it took him until after... 2 a.m. to finish enough that we could like put our bedroom back enough to go to bed. So I am blaming all of this on him. However, our bedroom's going to be beautiful when it's done. So, you know, it's probably worth the, uh, you know, feeling a little fatigued today, but it's whatever. I did do the uh, meditation this morning, the January mm-hmm. meditation, and it was so, so nice with such For a good group. So, awesome. Yeah, if you're in spirit school, make sure that you've checked that out. Very cool. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear that. Well, that's how I am. Gotcha. In other words, really fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I am also good. I am tired, definitely. I am I am tired. Mm-hmm. I am feeling that collective energy for sure. Mm-hmm. But feeling pretty motivated about the shows we're putting out this week. We're talking about some really important subjects, and I've been way down the yes. rabbit hole watching um documentaries and really learning today. And I love that. That's one of my favorite favorite things about doing this show is the research is really interesting and uh, I learned so much. So yeah, I've just, I've been really enjoying that. Well, and yet again, you and I, we have to be careful because there have been times when we've chosen the same case or, (laughs) you know, and so, but we try not to give, you know, too much, if any info about the cases we're choosing because we do offer them as a cold read. And so I was way in the rabbit hole of my case today, researching it. And Christy wrote me and said, I'm doing an indigenous case. And I went, oh, so am I. First name. (laughs) Luckily, they weren't the same, but we both chose indigenous cases this week, which is kind of fun. But yeah, yeah. but 
as well we should, because this is a huge topic that needs a ton of attention. Yes, it is. It's a huge topic. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit before I present today's case. We're going to be doing this year, one of our big focuses is focusing on uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women, um, particularly in America and Canada, although I feel like we ought to take a look outside of those two countries as well and see what we can find. But this is a huge issue. And let me explain some of the reasons, and Katie, jump in with me on this, why this is such a big deal. For one, um, in the U.S., if a person goes missing or is murdered on reservation land, that's a sovereign nation. So they have there are all these laws about who can um, investigate and who can't. Uh, the, the police forces on reservations ha are, have very limited resources and there aren't very many police. Yeah. Um, they generally then have to turn to the feds, particularly the FBI, if they need help. And what we're hearing is that there's not a lot of help coming from the FBI in these cases. So one of the things that's happening is that lots of these cases are just not being investigated yeah. or they're being misidentified. And so... Mm -hmm. It was a suicide. It was a drug overdose. It was an accidental death. It was an unknown cause. Those yeah. are the things that just keep coming up in um, women and girls that are disappearing and or being murdered in, uh, you know, from reservations. Mm -hmm. And it's not just from reservations because indigenous people live everywhere right. in our country and in Canada. But these cases in particular are just being brushed under the rug. Mm -hmm. It's yep. really terrifying. It is. Well, and I know that in my, Wyoming, Montana, North Dakota, Idaho, there has, the oil industry is, yeah. is very much to blame. Um, not the oil industry itself, kind of, but uh, what happened is, yeah, in so many of these areas, they are setting up shop, you know, to uh, to drill for oil and they bring in people, men particularly, from all over the place, and they're flooding these little towns that are either, they're usually on or very near reservations, uh, you know, with all of these people that need services and resources and, you know, to, to come and drill for oil there. And a lot of crimes are being committed on the res reservations here because there's not a lot of recourse and that's becoming really well known. Right. And and because we a have transient workers, right? And transient workers that are coming through, they might be working here for a month or two, or or more or less, and then they're gone. And it's just created a, an environment of extreme danger for yes. Indigenous women and children. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you add in the poverty element to uh -huh. this, which which increases crime. Um, yeah. Often because um, criminal behavior is is what some people have to do to earn a living. And so I'm, I'm making absolutely no judgment about sex work, drugs, whatever it is, because yeah. a lot of times on these reservations, um, folks have no way to support themselves. And so mm -hmm. they will turn to, you know, what we classify as criminal behavior, which makes them even more at risk. Yeah. yeah. And you know, there's statistically there is just way less response from law enforcement in these cases mm -hmm. than there is if this was a white woman or a white girl. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's right. what's happening. And I feel like 
what we can do is cover these cases. I feel like yeah. we can educate and yeah. encourage you to get involved in your, it's M-M-I-W. You'll see that acronym, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. Yep. And, and that is the acronym that you'll see. There are organizations all over the place in different states, in different cities and counties. Um, mm -hmm. Get involved in your local one and see what you can do to help. Because yep. we have to bring awareness and we also have to hold our elected officials accountable Yes, for making yes. sure that these cases get the same attention that mm -hmm. white women get. It's absolutely, absolutely. ridiculous. Right, right. Well, and some of the problem areas that are still, you know, being identified, and you really hit on this, was uh, lack of forensics yeah. and uh, lack of interagency communication. In other words, uh, okay, so in one state, we might find the body of or the remains of, you know, a murdered Indigenous woman or girl that maybe hasn't really been entered into any system for other people to to, to identify her, to get her back to where she belongs. I mean, the, the interagency sharing of information has been extremely poor, and that's something that has to be increased. Now, now some of the women sit as Jane Doe's. And don't even, yeah. you know, that their bodies have been found, but then they're not identified for long periods of time, which time in this day is complete and total bullshit. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, there was some new legislation. There's been a couple of pieces of new legislation passed here in the next year or the last year or so. Um, some people have kind of argued they're pretty milk toast and they need a lot more bite to them. But it has authorized more cooperation and assistance from the FBI in these cases. And so we need to see more of that moving forward to really create a better branch of, uh, you know, of specific services for missing and indigenous women. And I think that we'll see that happen. There's definitely been a lot more awareness uh, on the part of legislators, you know, and there, there is a push going in that direction, but we've got to stay on them. Yeah, definitely. We've got to stay on them and make sure that it's actually happening. And this isn't just uh, fancy words. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's it. I was, I watched a, a documentary about how this is being handled in Canada and they just want to bring these round table discussions together. And people are like, no bullshit. We want action. We're not, we don't right. need to talk about it anymore. We already know what's happening and we know why it's happening. Yeah. You know, the other thing that we don't know is are there serial killers functioning within these cases? Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily that all of the cases are connected. It's right. like they're not, being investigated so we mm -hmm. don't know that could we have serial killers involved here yeah we could because how do we know yeah. um but it's it's bigger and broader than that it is the mm -hmm. bias within the system that is not helping in these situations at all and it, it it's mm -hmm. horrifying when you you know when you um are watching these documentaries and the families and how affected they are well and how affected they are by things like having a family member identified as a suicide with no yeah. investigation at all and the family going wait a minute this person's never had a mental health problem there's never been any indication at all like you're you know this is just oh that's easy you know yeah. call it a suicide when there was no investigation mm -hmm. or call it a drug overdose or call the death un um de undetermined i mean come on it's 2021 bullshit yeah. is the death undetermined okay mm -hmm. That is a very rare occurrence these days. Yeah. That just means not enough work was done, not enough money was spent, really. Yeah. 
the other thing that's happening is that these women are being um, misidentified as far as their race. Mm -hmm. um, Native women, like the, the case that we're going to do, we're going to do uh, Alyssa Macklemore today. And Alyssa mm -hmm. is Black and Native American. She's Aleut. But she's been mm -hmm. identified on lots of sites as uh, Pacific Islander wrong oh that's not what she is so i got that information from the charlie project just so you know you know i'm looking at you know making sure we get very clear correct information about these individuals but uh let's let's go to this case and certainly guys if you yeah. you watch the video if you're on youtube please or come to our website and send us a comment you know true crime paranormal podcast.com Tell us about these cases give us some suggestions give us information that you know about how we can help you know, one yeah. of the things we know we can do, like Katie says, we give these cases a signal boost. We put out our our um, analysis, you know, we put out our sharing of what happened and analysis of what's happened to this individual to bring attention yeah. to this case. And we'll do this with lots of others. But please join in the conversation with us in whatever way that you would like, because this is very important and something that we can all work on together. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about Alyssa McLemore. Okay. So Alyssa, sorry, let me get to my right page. I have so many pages open. Alyssa was living with her mother and grandmother. They lived in Kent, Washington. She went missing on April 9th, 2009. Now, at the time, uh, Alyssa's mother was dying. She had scleroderma. Uh, which is uh, can cause a hardening of your lungs. It's really, really serious. And she was dying of yeah. that. And at 6.30 p.m. on that day, April 9th, Alyssa's grandmother called her. She was out somewhere. We're not sure where. And her grandmother called her and said, you need to come home. Your mom's dying. You need to get here. And she lived there, but she was just out doing something, right? And so yeah. she told her grandma, I'll be home. I'll be right home. Mm -hmm. um, she never came home. Oh, yeah. She never came home. Her mother died three days later. You can't tell me oh. that she just. Yeah. So on that day, April 9th of 2009, there was a witness that saw Alyssa in the city of Kent, Washington. Um, this was a place that was frequented by prostitutes and she did have a history of prostitution and again, we did talk about the issue of poverty and how mm -hmm. sex work is pretty integral in a lot of these cases, not all of them. Yeah. Um, certainly doesn't mean someone deserves to die by any means. She's simply just trying to stay alive and work, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. So they saw, a witness saw a green 1990s model pickup with potentially Oregon license plates. That was a guess, apparently. They saw somebody in a vehicle like that approach her. After that, she was never seen or heard from again. Well, kind of. Not true. So later, remember, this is 2009. Cell phone technology, not quite as good. Um, GPS, not good. Mm -hmm. So later, after she went missing, um, on April 10th, so the next day, at 9.15 p.m., her cell phone dialed 911. And the dispatcher heard a woman asking for help, but the phone did not have GPS. And so they couldn't 
identify the exact location. They, they could say that, yes, it was in Kent, Washington, but that was as specific as they could get. Um, the line went dead shortly after she asked for help. So they, they didn't initially connect those two things together. It took them a little while to figure out that that call was actually Alyssa's phone. Um, sometime before her disappearance on that day, she was seen with a man. So this man was Caucasian. He was in his fifties. He drove the green pickup truck, right? Um, fifties or sixties. He was about five, eight and 175 to 185 pounds. This is the last person that anyone ever saw her with. Mm -hmm. Now, Alyssa had a daughter who was three at the time that she went missing. So she was living with her mother and grandmother. Her daughter happened to be staying with her father at the time that her mom went missing. Um, her boyfriend at the time said she was an absolutely devoted parent who would not have left her mother or not left her daughter. Also, right, she would mom. not have left when her mother no. was dying. I mean, let's get real here. No. She wasn't, she didn't have a job at the time, but was living, you know, with her family. And um, that's pretty much where the trail ends on this case. Her family still very much looking for her. Um, on the 10th anniversary of her going missing, they filmed part of a documentary, that, a, part, a portion of a documentary about um, missing and murdered Indigenous women, and they did focus on Alyssa. And, um, you know, her family's still looking for her. Like, but are the police looking for her? They sure aren't. No. No one's looking for her. In, in the official... <laughs> in the official record, a nobody. A missing brown prostitute? Right. They don't care. Yeah. No, they don't. They did. The family did try to um, file a missing persons report, but it was too soon because it was less than 24 hours. Considering that her mother was dying and she knew that, you would think that that would have been enough. Yeah. To go, yeah, something's not right, but it mm -hmm. wasn't. You know, um, that's really all there is out there about her case. Is just this little bit like there's very little actual information about what they did to find her, what the what the um, what the investigation has been beyond that. They know that she made that phone call. You know, obviously, the authorities believe that she went missing under suspicious circumstances and that foul play is involved in her disappearance. But that's where the story ends. Mm hmm. Which is horrifying for her family, for her daughter. But that's how little, um, you know, the police in Kent, Washington cared about her going missing. There's mm -hmm. nothing further about her, the investigation into her missing, going missing. Mm -hmm. So, because this is a cold read show, what, uh, what do you have to say about Alyssa? Okay. So I do believe that she was actively uh, participating in the uh, prostitution trade there in Washington. I felt like she'd kind of come and gone from it, but that uh, she needed money, you know, 
and was kind of in a state, a situation there, especially with her mom dying, like she really needed some money. I feel like this person, this man was, and I do feel like he had Oregon plates. I can see that truck so clearly in my head. Um, I feel like he essentially was, uh, I hate using this word because it just sounds really gross and maybe outdated, but I feel like he was a a pimp or a connector of some sort Mm -hmm. and that he had promised her some money or, or he claimed to be, sorry, he claimed to be. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he had promised her some money to kind of come and work for him. I feel like he had told her that he arranged, um, more high-end like weekends and Mm -hmm. things like that where she could make a lot of money and he was just trying to hire very specific girls that he wanted to come to these events. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he was, he had told her he would take her and show her where these uh, retreats kind of were happening. And he wanted to take her there and show her and basically give her some money to kind of, uh, retain her to, to work for him on whatever weekends that he was planning these events that, uh, you know, there would be girls, you know, I feel like when grandma called, she was with him and was in his truck with him and was supposed to be, you know, going to see this place. Mm -hmm. Uh, when grandma called, I feel like, um, she said to him, I have to go. You have to take me back my mother's dying. I I can't do this right now. I have to go. And that he just kept on driving. I feel like he drove her out into the, I just see a lot of trees. I don't know very much about where Kent Washington is, but I see a lot of trees, a very wooded area. I feel like this was some sort of a cabin or something that he took her to and restrained her. Um, I also feel like he drugged her at some point because then I felt very, very, um, knocked out and woozy it makes me wonder if he knocked her out and she didn't really wake up until the next day and get uh, her bearings about herself enough to find her phone and try to call and then of course uh you know I, I think that was as simple as it seemed you know I think wherever she was honestly didn't have very good service and she was very confused and had been you know heavily drugged somehow and you know tried to get help, but that was about the best she could do. I do feel like he murdered her there and that uh, he buried her in the woods somewhere around where that place is. Um, It's really, really sad because I feel like what he promised her was something that she could have done a few weekends here and there, made a ton of money, been able to, you know, take care of her kid and help pay for mom's bills and just, you know, try to sustain. But um, he was, I, I, he was a killer, you know, there's no, there was no event. There was none of that. That was just a ruse to uh, get her to come with. And that's what happened. But yeah, I feel like she actually was with him and, and on a ride with him when her grandma called. And so she tried to tell him she needed to come back and he just kept on going and refused to let her out of the car and refused to stop. Um, and then of course uh, he went on back to, Portland or, or well, yeah. Why do I say Portland? Okay. Portland ish mm-hmm. is where this person lives. Um, I had some questions for myself about this. Is this person a serial killer? Mm-hmm. I, and I feel like he is, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he goes to uh, various states and he finds very specific women and he uses a line like this. I also asked myself, where did he have access to this cabin? And I feel like it's some kind of an Airbnb or a VRBO or something like that, that he actually paid to stay in for a few days. And he stayed in it for a few days, a day or two, and got, uh, you know, the lay of the land and then, you know, put together his ruse. I feel like that's how he does this. And he doesn't ever go back to the same area twice. And Mm -hmm. so there's really no two and two being put together, you know, except for Mm -hmm. the green truck. Maybe that is a clue that uh, needs to be attached to some other deaths. But I do feel like this is something that... um, he has definitely done more than once. I think he uses a pretty similar story every time. And he does uh, target women that are in sex trades. That's that's okay. what he's doing. Yeah. Is he targeting indigenous women? Oh, that's a good question. Um, he, women of color. Women of color. Okay. Because okay. honestly, um, looking at the picture of Alyssa, you wouldn't necessarily, I think, immediately consider her native although uh-huh. you know some people i'm i'm a white person so i'm saying that with you know being an idiot frankly i'm just saying you know so he's he's mm-hmm. looking for women okay mm-hmm. yeah do you think that he had this was 12 years ago do you think that he's been caught mm. let me ask that question no no he's not been caught um, do you think what's that he will be i think he will be caught At this point, no, I don't, but I want to be wrong about that. I I, I feel like maybe part of me that he'll mess up at some point, you know, and that some, that a body will be found or some DNA will be found. I'm holding a lot of hope. My my gut instinct right now is that he won't. He's so nondescript, you know, Mm -hmm. and the way he's doing this, I feel like he comes into town and he rents a place kind of like a a fisherman you know, a, a sportsman or something in a sportsman place. And now I will tell you, I don't feel like every place that he goes, he ends up killing somebody. I feel like mm-hmm. the conditions have to be perfect. He has a lot of rules set for himself that the place he rents, it has to be, uh, you know, it has to be rural or hidden enough. There has to be a really easy way, a good way to dispose of a body that he can see that uh, he feels like will be, you know, out of sight enough. And then he has to find the right girl. So he's right. not. So I feel like he actually has taken quite a few of these trips where he actually hasn't hurt anybody because the conditions weren't perfect for his plan. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, pretty obviously. He's getting away with it because cases like Alyssa's are just not getting any attention. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's why he is uh, focusing on prostitutes. I do. I feel like he feels like nobody's looking for them anyway, you know, which is horrifying. But how many times have we covered cases of women that were working in the sex industry that this was the case? You know, I think about that woman from Spokane, you know, who's looks really looks like her ex murdered her and buried her and again, murdered their child. That there's clearly nothing being done on that case. Yep, yeah, totally. It's no. so sad. I look at this picture of her 
and obviously what a beautiful girl she was and how much life she had and how much light that, yeah. that grin, you know, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. obviously she was, she was full of stuff, you know, I just, I adore she her already. What she was to her mom and her grandma and her little girl and, and her yeah. sister, her sister is a, is a huge advocate of, you know, trying to find her. She carries flyers, um, about Alyssa around in her car, everywhere she goes, even now. Cool. And sometimes she and friends will just go walk along the beach and just hand out flyers of her still 12 mm-hmm. years later still doing everything that they can to look for her her poor sister can you imagine losing your mom and your sister within a day or two of each other under this kind of trauma I mean losing mom to scleroderma is horrifying that's a horrible way to die and then add to it this this happened to her sister I was just the whole thing is horrifying and no of course she didn't abandon her daughter and just take off of course she didn't didn't do that no yeah yeah well, thank you for that. And we will yeah. continue covering these missing and murdered Indigenous women cases because they need more attention. And that's what we can do. And that's what you all can do, too, is see what's going on in your communities regarding these cases. See what your elected officials are doing. What are you, What's your local police department doing? How are they being handled? And how can you encourage reform in our legal system to make this better? And mm-hmm. to show that many people care about these women yeah. and many people care about Alyssa McLemore and all of the others and mm-hmm. that we're not going to shut up until they get the justice that they deserve. Absolutely. And signal boost. Yep. Talk about this stuff. Share it on your social media. Yep. Talk Be about this an stuff. advocate. Even, you know, sharing, just talking about stuff like this is sometimes the best thing you can do. Because a lot of people don't know. They just don't understand how big of a problem this is. There needs to be more of a conversation. There does, most definitely. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here. And you know it. We're True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.